All right, so we are here with Dr. Steve Silverman, um, who told me when I called him, um, when I accepted my offer to come to Teachers College and study with Steve, he said, if you call me doctor when you come here, I'll call you a lot of other things that you won't like. Uh, so Steve, yes, um, you have um, just announced your retirement from Teachers College um, for 21 years there. And um, we just wanted to bring you on to kind of talk about what your path, what has been in this field. Um, a lot of you, a lot of people uh, in the field consider you a senior scholar, not because you're old, because you're still young. Um, but we just want to kind of uh, congratulate you on a, a new position that you've taken at Florida Atlantic University as the Dean of the College of Education, and um, kind of just maybe start from the beginning, um, which is the question of why did you want to be a PE teacher? Because that's where you originally started at. Right. So I, I was an undergraduate physical education major, and I taught swimming at a local Y, and I thought I wanted to do that forever. And um, and I was, I grew up in Philadelphia, went to college at Philadelphia, and in or, there were positions in the Philadelphia school system to teach swimming, and but you had to um, pass all the exams that uh, the school district of Philadelphia had for PE teachers to get it. And so I graduated, they had a, a multi-phased um, exam and so part of it was a skills test that you had mostly gymnastics volleyball and basketball and you had to do a, a routine on the rings and the high bar as part rings. of that the rings the rings and the high bar i was 20 it's intense one years old so it was easier then <laughs> and um and I worked really hard on that because I'm not a natural gymnast, but I wanted to do do it well enough to pass. They also had an interview where they scored you, you, you got points, and then you got points based on your score on the national teacher's exam, physical education portion. Um, I taught for a short while in Philadelphia and then went to graduate school. And you went to graduate school at? Uh, I went to Washington State for my master's. Um, and I did it for a number of reasons. Um, my <clears throat> master's degree is in exercise physiology. And did you know that? I did not know that. You're and an exercise physiologist. I, I studied with Phil Gallnick for my master's degree. He's a very well known. It. So what, what what led you to make that shift then from PE to exercise science? Well, because it was all part of PE really at the time. D doing that and he only did rat research and I knew like my third day there he told us the hierarchy in the lab him postdocs doctoral students lab rats and master students <laughs> and so I I did a little over a year in Pullman as a native Philadelphian that was absolutely shocking living there and then um, I had thought about going to graduate school for physical education because 
Mike Goldberger was at Temple when I was an undergraduate, and he was doing a lot of the Mustin research mm. then and publishing. And so I went back and I talked to him about going for a doctorate eventually. Awesome. So and then um, at that point, you had that kind of realization that you wanted to be a professor or? Yes. And I wanted to be a professor. I wanted to do research. I was really, Temple's undergraduate program was great because it, it, it was more flexible in some ways than other places. And they had titles of courses that were like why man moves instead of, you know, one with seven commas in it. And it, it was, we read research as undergraduates, which I don't think was very typical of physical education programs at the time. And so when I wa wanted to go to graduate school, I knew I wanted to do research on teaching and I wanted that to be a part of what I did, probably because of um, Mike, what he was doing at, at Temple. Tom Eval was at Temple when I was an undergraduate doing curriculum research. That didn't in interest me as much. And so I looked to go to graduate school. At the time, there are only five pedagogy doctoral programs in the whole country. And Teachers um, College? Ohio State. Teachers College, Ohio State, Stanford with John Nixon, who retired 35 years ago or so, um, BU and Temple. Boston. B Boston University. <clears throat> John Cheffers, yeah. who had gotten his doctorate at, at Temple when I was an undergraduate at Temple, led that program. Paul Shemp's probably um, one of the people who graduated from there, who, who you would know. And I had asked Mike Goldberger about it and who he would study with. Oh, Pittsburgh had a program too, uh, Mike Sherman, so six, I guess. And I, I looked up all the people I would study with there. On, and on the internet? Not on the internet. <laughs> I had to actually like go to a card catalog and find journals and look at things you, you know what a card catalog is huh yeah um, we learned that in elementary school right? <laughs> yeah i think i saw that in like a history museum once <laughs> actually at columbia university they in in one of the libraries they have a history of the libraries and that's the only card catalog on the entire oh, columbia cool, campus mm -hmm. um, and so i just fell in love with how productive Larry Locke was as, as a scholar. He wasn't doing lots of research, but he was doing lots of writing. And I fell in love with uh, his writing. Larry was, was, is a very, very gifted writer. And um, I wanted to study with him because I liked his ideas and I loved reading what he had written. And now, you joked about on the internet, now I probably would have found 10 more things I liked at that time, mm -hmm. but then it was slogging through the library. So how was it working with Larry Locke? Oh, it was very nice. Um, it was great, actually. Larry, Pat Dodds, George Lewis were all at UMass at the time. Doing that, uh, Pat Griffin had just, uh, she, her, my first year there, she got her doctor from UMass and then went into the uh, social justice program 
there, and we were treated like colleagues. We got our own offices, we taught classes, um, everyone was on a first name. The undergraduates at UMass didn't know Larry Locke was Larry Locke. You know, they just saw him as the guy who was the department chair mm -hmm. uh, there. And we worked a lot. Larry was very exacting in writing, and I think that aided my development a lot. But one of the things I learned, and Judy Plasek was also going to school at the same time, is that Larry used a red pen to correct any of writing, that I would not leave his office without saying, why did you make this change? What were you thinking when you made this change? Because it would have been easy just to make the changes, but I want to learn anything. And we had a, a Pete seminar uh, once a week during the semesters where we rotated among the houses of the graduate students and professors, and we did um, dinner and and wine most of the time. And it was it was really a great time to be there. And Judy and I were treated great as as graduate students. So, um, do you have any good stories about Larry Locke? Perhaps something. Um, there's something about a, a freezer and documents. Oh, yeah, when, when I was doing my dissertation and I was coding um, videotapes that, that I had done, he, he would take my coding sheets after I had made a, co a copy, he would take the copy and put it into the freezer in his barn in uh, Belchertown, Massachusetts, because the feeling was even if the barn burned down, it would be safe in the freezer, and I'd always have a copy. So it's like <laughs> backing up on Dropbox. I, I heard uh, <laughs> exactly. Tem yeah. Templin used to talk about this with his dissertation too, because back then, you know, it was literally cut and paste. Like he showed me the yeah, that's where that came from. And it was like he he showed me a draft of his dissertation, and there were there pieces cut out of other papers and pasted on. Um, and he uh, he made a copy of his dissertation and kept it a lo in a lockbox at the bank because uh, he knew somebody who had gotten to dissertation stage and their house burned down and they lost the only copy of their dissertation. Exactly. Larry was like backup, backup. So I had a backup. He had a backup in that case. Um, that That year we were able to go from... from 80 column IBM cards to do analysis to uh, get some space on the university mainframe doing that and then they would back it up every night on a tape doing it so that that seemed like a great thing I have one other story about Larry yeah. at one of the Pete seminars we um, <coughs> after everyone left it was just Larry Judy and I and Larry said, oh, we have a lot of wine. Let's let's just sit. And we um, had maybe two bottles of wine in a few hours just hanging out. In fact, uh, my wife, Pat, had to come get us to drive Judy and I home. <laughs> Next morning, we found out that Larry's then wife was saving that for a dinner party <gasps> they were having. <laughs> and... We were like, oh, we're sorry. He's like, no, I should have known that. I get just wasn't paying attention. And 
It, it was really a fun night, though. So <laughs> got in trouble the next day. Yeah. Um, so, can you give us uh, an overview? What is, What are you research? What is your so research I about? I went to UMass wanting to do research on teaching, and I was pretty sure that's what I wanted to do. I was really interested in what teachers and students do that help students learn motor skill. Um, if you you remember there in the early 70s, I went to UMass in 79, in the early 70s, um, Bill Anderson and a group of teachers college had come out in with what's happening in the gym, but it was all, it was very descriptive and they had a sort of like, this is what makes kids learn, but they didn't have any data. Mm-hmm. It was just, this is what we believe. And that's what I wanted to look at. And so for my dissertation, I did that, did it for quite a long time, where I think we now have a much, much, much better understanding of learning motor skill, do, doing that. And then in the mid-90s, the, Raj Subramanian, who was my doctoral student at Illinois at the time, he and I went to Trinos near uh, the uh, building we were in on the University of Illinois campus and um, started talking and realized that, you know, knowing what helps kids learn skill is only part of it. That if they don't have good attitudes, they'll never actually do it. And so that's when we started for oh, 25 years now do, doing attitude research. Great. Um, so can you talk about a little bit about your progression? So you graduated UMass Amherst and you're on the job market. You interviewed at conferences, is that right? Uh, at um, the first round interviews at that time, people generally did an interview at Aford before they went other places for interviews. Not everyone did that, um, but it was a way for them to do triage on things. I came back from there. Aford was earlier in the year then. Um, I came back from there and went on I think it was three interviews. Um, uh, one at Ithaca, um, one at San Diego State, and one at LSU. And I went to LSU largely because they had people doing research there. Um, also because my wife wanted to go back to graduate school for an MBA. and they made sure that what would be her late application would still get considered, which was a real good thing. And um, Jerry Thomas and Dick McGill were there, who were names even then, and um, were were just great on, on the interview. In fact, Jerry and I probably had a 12-minute conversation about statistics where I could see people's eyes glazing over in the audience. And the um, so we, we lived there for two years. And one of the reasons why 
we left there, there was that uh, Pat, my wife, was getting her MBA and South Louisiana at the time was not such a great place for a woman MBA d d doing that. And I had offers in uh, at Wisconsin and Madison and uh, UT Austin. And we moved to Austin. It was the fastest growing city in the country. It was a very progressive city. Certainly uh, Madison is also. But we wanted to... Austin seemed to offer the most for both of us, so we um, went to Austin. Um, I thought had a really good experience there, and probably would have stayed much longer if Illinois hadn't recruited me. And then, so you and Pat went from there to Illinois after you got. Tenure at yeah oh yeah Austin. so I got tenure at the University of Texas tenure and promoted and then was hired at Illinois as an associate professor with tenure and I should point out that we have three people in this room with Illinois connections and I have a Texas connection oh yeah <laughs> it's all coming together <laughs> yeah <laughs> who knew um, and so yeah they hired me the the thing that was interesting about Illinois. Um, as three of us here know, Illinois is not nearly as, Champaign-Urbana is not nearly as large a metropolitan area as no, Austin. No, that's not true. Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we were not willing to move there unless both Pat and I had jobs mm -hmm. because she, you know, it's, 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 you know, Austin had lots of opportunities. She had a great job there. And we... They, at the time, Illinois had um, a dual career couple uh, program, and you, uh, I, it was very progressive. Um, the couple didn't have to be married. Uh, the couple could be any type of couple um, you, you wanted to think of. And then that, you know, for a place in the, a small town with a large university was very progressive. And we ended up going in January because Pat kept rightly turning down positions that would have financially been okay but would have been bad career moves and then she got offered a job she was very interested in and so we're there um, I was promoted in in the same year I to full professor that I would have been able to if I had stayed at Texas and I had negotiated that as a possibility when I went that I could if I wanted to but I didn't need to mm -hmm. and I did that and I was there for six and a half years and then teachers college teachers college um, Bill Anderson retired and um, they were looking to fill that position um, Karen Zumwalt who was the Dean of Teachers College and Daryl Seedentop, who was the dean at Ohio State at the time, knew each other. And Daryl, she called Daryl for recommendations, and Daryl was very nice, recommended me, and probably recommended others, I would think. And uh, she she called. Um, we were we had joked that we wanted to live somewhere with tall buildings and restaurants, <laughs> and. 
um, Manhattan has tall buildings and restaurants, and so we... Um, Champagne Urbana, not so much. Well, um, there was one 20-story building, um, which would not be a tall building in Manhattan. <laughs> um, and uh, I, they interviewed five people. I got the job offer, and we were able to move easier because um, Pat felt she, she does fundraising and felt that New York was a ver much better place to do fundraising than Urbana-Champaign. Mm -hmm. And um, so we went there in, uh, we moved in August of 1998 and have been there for 21 years. And so you just retired. And I like that when you lead with, I retired, everybody is like really shocked. Yes, because I'm not really old enough to retire or retire. Yeah, and so why leave and go to this dean position? And what? So what made you kind of want to go to the administration piece? And so Florida Atlantic does not have a PE program, right? It does not yet. I'm just kidding. well, <laughs> if um, we could be sure we'd have good numbers, yeah. it, it might happen, but. I think right now all teacher education programs have issues with yeah. with um, enrollments um, doing that. I um, had headhunters, uh, search consultants call me about jobs or send me emails and we had decided that uh, we would always talk it over and that I didn't lose anything by talking to them. but. We had very definite ideas of where we would want to live. So even if it was a great job, somewhere where we wouldn't want to live, I wasn't really interested in, in, in it And because I had a good job. And so this job did a lot of things I was interested in. I had, I, I had talked with a search consultant a, a few years before, and I said, here are a bunch of things that um, interest me if you have a job. And then flippantly at the end, I said something like, and if it's a purplish state that could use two more Democrats and it's near saltwater, give me a call, figuring that would never happen. And then she sent me an email in February that said something like, I'm, I'm doing a search now that checks all the boxes, you said. What, can we talk next week? And talked, I applied, got um, in, an, a hotel interview where the search committee did 12 people. Um, I was very impressed with the search committee. And then I was invited back for a campus interview, and then they offered me the job. I think... You know, I've been a, a professor now for, what, 37 years and do, doing scholarship and teaching. And I was a department chair for five years. I led a project at Teachers College, which is a quasi-administrative thing dealing with um, research preparation for doctoral and master's students. And I was ready for another challenge. Do, doing that and um, all, all everything just fell into place. I and I should say 
that I liked uh, the people I met there, which made me think I like working there. And it doesn't hurt that it's next to a beach and you're an avid scuba diver. It does not hurt that it's um, near a beach or 10 scuba boats. Yeah. So what is your level of scuba diving? What is your... So I, I'm a master scuba diver trainer with Patty. So it's like a high level instructor certification. I can teach, I don't know, 12 or 14 specialty classes like deep diving, nitrox, uh, boat diving. Um, things like that, and um, I actually one summer before you came to to Teachers College, decided I would take a dive master course, just so I won't work so much. <laughs> and you know you had to study and do it, and then as I was volunteering for the dive shop, being a dive master, I thought I'm a trained physical educator. I can teach better than most of the instructors, so. I went and did an instructor course and have taught a lot. I won't teach this summer because we're about to move. But mm. So what kind of advice would you give for young scholars coming up in the field or just you know getting out of their doctorate degree or early career researchers based on what you've experienced and know in the field of physical education? Um, there are a couple things I would do that... You know, all as um, uh, Tip O'Neill, who's Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, once said, um, all politics is local. So if people have a job, they have to think about what happens in that job. But I also think if people want to get another job, as someone said to me once, they have to do scholarship. That's what's going to allow people to move and do things and... And so they shouldn't forget how important that is in keeping your job and in having opportunities, all three of you know, um, to get other jobs do doing it. And I think they need to plan mm -hmm. that you can't do one project and start the next. You have to be in different phases. Something I've done in my career that I've, told others is I've always had sort of a two, two and two rule, rule, two things in press, two things out for review, two things you're working on so that you can have things um, to do for conferences and to submit like a year and a half or two years out doing it. And obviously the last few years, you know, I've had a lot of doctoral students at Teachers College, and so that's made that very easy to do. And, um, you know, that people need to keep their eye on that prize, that doing good scholarship, and so I really as much publishing in good journals as it is the number of publications right. to get another <clears throat> job. And I think that I, I get requests to write tenure and promotion letters all, all the time. And it, you know, the number of publications seems irrelevant if they're in publications no one's ever heard of or done things. But, you know, if they have them in good journals that 
um, and that are specific to our feel good journals and then broader journals, that's, that's a good thing. And so I always think when I do those reviews that people in, in our area are in uh, physical education, they're also in education, they're also in kinesiology, and that, those are the journals, if you think of that as a Venn diagram, where people should be publishing things. Oh, that's good advice. D d doing it. So one other thing I think that, uh, about it is that sometimes um, young scholars think they have to, you know, they're just always working and do, doing things and, you know, they can have fun. And I, I think that you, ha you, you have to have a life if you're going to enjoy being a researcher. And um, I certainly feel like I've done that. And I think when I was in graduate school that every Friday, Walter Cole, who was a motor control person, and Larry Locke's students would, with them, would go to um, spar uh, checkers in, in Austin. And you know, like that really helps because you, you might work on Friday night if that tradition wasn't, wasn't there. And I've also been fortunate throughout my adult life to, to be married to someone who we decompress at the end of days by having a glass of wine and just hanging out. And so I, I, it, I, I said something the last time I was in an ASAP meeting, they had done a thing looking at advice for young scholars. I was one of the people who participated. And I ended up say, saying in a discussion, it's not the priesthood. You know, like you're not taking a vow that that's all you're going to do. And I think we have to think about that. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I liked uh, how you asked the question before about um, the memories that he had of Larry Locke. Are there any memories from your career that really stick out to you that you might want to share? I have tons of friends as a result of the, the, this career, younger or older. I mean, my book co-authors are Larry Locke and Juanine Spruduso, who have both retired from the books but are still a part of them. Um, you know, I, I have wonderful full memories uh, of all that. Juanine was my department chair and then dean at, at Texas. Um, I learned a lot about mentoring young faculty members from her because she did, every semester, she did, um, you had to, in this one you had to print it. You couldn't highlight it on the screen. So you had to take a highlighter and so she wanted you to highlight what had changed since the last time. And I was, I, I would be damned if I were going in there without highlights on, on it. And it was very motivating to me. She and I would meet, we'd go to her favorite bar off of the UT campus called The Posse that had the greasiest hamburgers in the world. Um, and and then talk about it. And she, she was reinfor reinforcing that. Uh, Jerry Thomas, who I've written um, a numbers of editions of research methods and physical activity, um, it is a very close friend. You know, you go to conferences like this that 
I think hanging out with people is a lot more interesting than the yeah. sessions yeah. Do, do, doing it. So we have friends in all the places we've lived and all, all over the country do, do, doing that. And I think that's an important part of the profession. Pat was telling me yesterday about your travel down to, to Florida and she was just naming all the different people that you guys knew along the way where you're going to be stopping and staying over to break up the trip and visit. And I was like, wow, it's so nice to have friends in different cities all over the country. Yeah, and some, some are relatives and depending when, when our stuff is getting yeah. to Florida, we'll either make it faster or slower ba based on that. But... Yeah. I think your your comment about learning how to mentor, you know, students or faculty members, I think, you know, one of the best things that in mentorship that I, well, first of all, I, I know that when people talk about you behind your back, they say that you're a good mentor. Well, thanks. It's usually positive things. <laughs> uh, but I think a lot of people look at you as a person who's willing to mentor other people, like not in your university, but you know, in my experience studying under you, like going to ARA happy hour at, for the SIG, you would just stand and have your own conversation and ask me in my first year at ARA, who do you want to meet? I'm like, uh, Pam Kalina? Oh, I know Pam. Come here. Like, you Pam, know. Pam was my doctoral yeah, student. <laughs> you don't know her here. And then you would just drop me off at that conversation. And when that conversation ended, you'd see me somewhere and go, who else do you want to meet? And so from my very early on in my doctoral studies, I was being socialized into the, the field. So when I'm in my first year going to ARA as a assistant professor, I already know yeah. most of the people who are in that audience, so I'm not panicking giving that presentation. So well, I, I think that's something great. I think that's important and it you know, it's it's not that hard to do. Someone earlier today said talked about wanting to meet Richard Tinning and I said, I can help you with that. Yeah. You know, he he will Skype. Richard's friendly and doing it and would be happy to talk by Skype mm -hmm. but I think that that's all part of the job people did that for me I have to say Larry is way shyer than I am but he he thought that was his job and we we're a much 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 smaller field when I was getting my doctorate than we are now so was the ARA SIG 93 there when you got in was that oh, no. already established were you part of it um so when when i was in graduate school and um i think it was would have been 1982 when i was graduating there were it, it was in boston aera and i think there were six physical educators there three of them were gd Plasic. Larry Lockin, myself, um, Bernie Oliver, um, John Taylor, and Daryl Seedentop um, were, were there. Um, a few years later, it was in New Orleans. I was doing a presentation. I was living in Baton Rouge, and Daryl Seedentop called 
our home one night and I was teaching late and I was, you know, it was before cell phones and I came home and Pat said, Daryl Seedentop called and said you can call him up until this time. I thought it was like someone was doing a prank. And that that year all of us went out to dinner and went around one table, like maybe eight or ten. And then it just started growing. Um, and uh, Lynn Hausner um, was the one who initiated and, and I... I want to think it was about 25, 27 years ago um, that that happened. It was when AERA was in D.C. and they modeled it, the the pre-conference thing on the Invisible College uh, for Research on Teaching that Jerry Brophy at Michigan State did. And I was a member of that group and for the first year I sort of went to that thing and then met the PE people after. and. Um, the next year we started doing the happy hour, um, d doing it, and it became more formal, d doing, but it's grown greatly, yeah. um, since then. Yeah. I feel like that's like a really fun group and very high level research. And so, yeah, and I, I also think that if people are developing research careers in physical education and they're not going to AERA, they're meeting the best chance to connect with the best researchers, young and older, in, in the country. So the advice from Steve Silverman is to go to AERA. Oh, I, <laughs> clearly, I've, I think I've missed one AERA happy hour in, since it started and that's because my flight was like five hours late oh. do, do, doing it. I, I find that the pre-conference meetings very interesting yeah. do, doing that. And you are also an ARA fellow which is you and Kathy Ennis are the only only two that have The only two physical it. educators who have been elected AERA fellows. Kathy tragically died a year and a half ago, but um, or actually two years ago now, and she, um, you, you have to have someone in the area to become a fellow, and um, I was on a committee that were educational researchers preparing guidelines sponsored by the Spencer Foundation, and the Dean Emeritus at Stanford was the fellow who sponsored me, essentially, then, and along with uh, Pam Kalina, who helped, and so that, that he, he thought physical, he learned a lot about physical education during that, so that helped uh, our field then. Yeah. Awesome. Other questions? Well, thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing, Thank you, Steve. Steve. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks.